Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good to see so many faces. And uh, yeah, I mean, just before we even kick it off, France and Annie are uh, a couple who we dearly love. They've been part of the church for a little while now. And I remember the first time they came to our Young Adults Connect group. And uh, what a blessing they were. I mean, Annie didn't even want to read the Bible. You know how we always like, okay, it's your turn to read your turn. Annie's like, no, I'm not reading the Bible. But just the way that God has been ministering to them as a couple, it's amazing to see. You know, this is something that they haven't been taught, but they've caught, hey, God is our provider. And it's amazing to see. And uh, France and Annie, we, guys, we love you, and thank you for being such a blessing to us as well. Very quickly, I think uh, Errol and Cindy are also down in Richmond as well, so please do be praying. It's, uh, you know, Outlook Church, we've been called to be a base church. We've been called to a church of comfort and um, so yes, we are a little bit thin on the ground this morning, but please be praying for the team. They are uh, experiencing some cold, I'm sure, Quentin in Louis Trichard. So, uh, really, I have asked them to take selfies, otherwise it didn't happen. So I'm looking forward to some selfies next week. Quentin did send one through, but I didn't really want to share that. It's just, he's not very good at selfies. So, uh. so I am really excited about a brand new journey called I Am. And... Um, it's a journey which includes the word I, but if, to be honest, really not about me or about you. But actually, what it's about is discovering the greatness of our God. And uh, if you've missed part one last week, then I highly suggest that you go and catch it up. You can find that on our uh, church website. If you're a real overachiever, I'll give it to you. It's www.outlookchurch.co.za forward slash sermons forward slash 270. Got that? Good. I think uh, for many of us sharing these messages going forward on this journey, this will be a bit more of a challenge to prepare for. And I say a challenge because there are not many real practical things or, or action steps that we can actively do to get better at these areas or topics. This being said, what we are really hoping and trusting for is that the majesty and the magnificence and the sovereignty and the greatness of God would be revealed to each and every one of us. That we grow more and more into the revelation of who our God is for each and every one of us and not just grow in head knowledge of who God is. That something of God during this journey would settle on our hearts and therefore settle our hearts. Now, uh, this title, I Am, is a rather strange one. In fact, it's just as strange as when God said the very same thing to Moses in Exodus 3. Remember, God had asked Moses, listen, I want you to go and rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses, after a whole bunch of buts, said, well, what's your name? You know, who, who can I say is sending me? I mean, surely tell me. And this is what God says in verse 14 of chapter 3. He says, God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, you know that God didn't say, and this might be quite profound for some, he didn't say I am because he forgot his name. No, no, he said I am because that's who he was and that's who he still is. He didn't need to compete with any other God, even though there were quite many at that stage, because if he did, then he wouldn't have been the true I am the only perfectly self-existent one. You see, his name is not just there to differentiate him, but rather 
to define who he is. God has many names, but it's not because he doesn't know who he is. It's not like us trying to pick out a pair of shoes of what we're going to wear today. He's many names because that's the way he chooses to reveal himself to us, to show us who he is, his very nature and his character. I love that scripture that we heard from part, uh, in part one and that we'll read again in Proverbs 18.10. I think this will form our anchor text for the series. It says, the Lord, the name of the Lord, sorry, is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The very name of the Lord is a strong fortress. Got nothing to do with the strength of the fortress, but rather all to do with the strength of the name. A fortress where the godly run. I love it. It's not jog, not walk, but the godly run to him and are safe. This name reveals something to us about who our God is. He is our very fortress. Think about your names for a moment. When uh, Yoli and I were planning to name our son who was on the way, we, we wanted to give him a name that would hopefully shape, mold, and define who he was to become. So after some research and uh, some much-needed help from the Holy Spirit, we named him Arthur, that little guy who was screaming earlier. You see, Arthur means bold and gracious ruler or bold and gracious leader. Maybe a few other examples quickly to set the tone. I'm not sure if Brent shared what his name meant, but uh, I'm not sure his parents gave it as much thought because his name means steep hill. Quinton, probably the same side because they were obviously involved in the royal family because his name means the queen's settlement. Many of you know the Chad. His name means battle warrior and we can most certainly see that in the way that he tackles the AV around here. My dear wife in the toddler room, her name means sign of life or violet flower. I had to make sure I got that one right and not say violent flower. My name means from Scotland. I mean, that's original, but anyway, that's... See, some of us might have some dodgy meanings to our names, but God's names are there to define who he is. So week, week one, remember, we looked at Jehovah Adonai, which means master or king, the one who is sovereign over all. Today, I want us to press on a little bit deeper and look at a very specific name. And we've actually heard a little bit about that name already. And that name is Jehovah Jireh. Now, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. And what I don't want to do this morning is flood us with information. But rather, I want us to unpack that name a little bit more. And to help us do so, I want us to read the story of Abraham and Isaac, where we see this name being used. I'm going to read uh, quite a chunky piece of scripture out of Genesis 22, verses 1 to 14. But as I'm reading, I'm, I'm really hoping and trusting that something of God would be deposited on your heart this morning. You know, I think um, the more you stand up here, the more you learn that it's not how eloquently we get a message across to you. It's not about how well we speak, but rather about how God's word stirs up, stimulates, and reveals him to you. That should be important. And um, so, yeah, you can follow along on the screen, or if you've got a Bible or a tablet or a phone or any other electronic device, you're welcome to follow on that. Genesis 22, 
chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they had reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now I don't know about you, but for me this story is probably one of the most difficult stories to read. Heck, as a father to a young son whom I love a copious amount, I cannot imagine the severity of this request that God was asking of Abraham. On initial reading, we have got to be thinking, well, hang on, God, surely, surely this goes against your very character, your very nature. God must have known how precious Isaac was to Abraham. I mean, he only made him wait 100 years to have Isaac, and yet we see God ask him to sacrifice his one and only son. On the surface, reading this story might leave us with, a, with an ugly sense that all God did was send uh, Abraham on a wild emotional goose chase. But if you focus and unpack that very name that Abraham uses to describe God, then it gives us a better understanding of who God is and what he was truly doing in that situation. So let's dive deeper. And as we do, we see the meaning of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide we see that word provide is actually richer than our English describes or denotes. The Hebrew word for provide means to see to it. In other words, the Lord will see to it. And uh, this was used actually before in the Old Testament by a woman named Hagar who had the same revelation. Hook me up. But what is he saying is, you God, see and experience all of my need. And you provide for it. You are the one who sees to it. It's not just surface-based. It's deeply personal. It's deeply relational. God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees, the God who provides. 
Personally, I think uh, as we mature in our walks with Christ, we begin to learn more and more what provision really looks like. I think uh, a lot of us have rather skewed uh, just perceptions of what provision looks like. I know I did, and I probably still do. And, um, you know, when we were praying for this building project, one of our first prayers was, hey, God, send money. Send money so we can club this. And uh, one of our more experienced elders said, hey, don't you think God knows we need money? I mean, surely things cost. He knows we need money. He says, hey, what we should be praying for, actually, is for wisdom. That's what you should be. And I, and I believe God was truly teaching us something about what his provision looks like during that. Yes, God knew we needed money, but what did we need more? What was his provision during that time? Maybe it was an increase in capacity. Maybe it was the provision of wisdom. We don't know. See, God's provision isn't like our salaries hitting our bank accounts on the 25th of each month or the 30th. His provision comes because he sees his sons and daughters' needs and he sees to it. He provides. What we don't see in the story are the thoughts, emotions, and the feelings of Abraham and Isaac. But I love that in Hebrews 11, we get a glimpse into Abraham's stance on the matter. From verse 7, it says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned, I love this, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. You know that Abraham knew the very name of God enough to trust that even in that moment, if God took his son's life, because of all the promises spoken over Isaac's life, that God would fulfill his word, even if that meant raising Isaac back from the dead. Abraham was doing this incredibly difficult task with full assurance in his heart. You see, knowing the very name of God produces assurance in our hearts. And it was this very story that then paved the way for Jehovah Jireh's ultimate sacrifice which includes you and I, a sacrifice for eternity. The story of Abraham and Isaac is one of the clearest forthcoming stories of the work of Jesus Christ. You know, God didn't only provide for Abraham that day, but what he did, he provided his one and only son as a sacrifice so that, as it says in John three sixteen, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, Jesus Christ is the provision. Just as Brent shared last week, Christ means the solution. For us, the solution is our provision. Abraham's faithful statement that God himself will provide a lamb is a direct companion. Brother and sister, to when John the Baptist exclaimed this in John 1.29, I said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can I say this this morning though, that Jesus came as the sacrifice but he didn't only come to be a sacrifice, but he came to be our provision as well. And we know this because later in the New Testament, as part of the seven I am statements, Jesus said this. He said, he is the bread of life. In other words, Jesus, he himself is Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees, the one who experiences all of our needs, the one who makes provision for us.
John 6.35 said, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is proclaiming, I am Jehovah Jireh. He is the perfect outworking of God's provision for each one of us. In him, and this is what we need to catch, in him all of our needs will be seen to. That beautiful Hebrew word for provide. All of our needs will be seen to. Philippians 4, 19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. It doesn't say from Christ. It says in Christ. Who we see Jesus as determines how we experience him. So if we see him as our provider, he will be our provision. I loved uh, a story that Brent shared with us quite a long time ago as well about uh, a pastor he had heard that uh, every time he prayed for someone, they seemed to get healed. And uh, he had the opportunity to meet him one day and he was really excited to hear this powerful prayer that this pastor would pray to heal people. And uh, someone came in and like, hey, I need healing and thought, oh, this is the opportunity. I'm going to hear this powerful prayer. And uh, the pastor prayed like this. Oh, my father, my father, my father. Oh, my father, my father, my father. Amen. That's it. You see, it wasn't about how powerful the prayer was, but it was the name that he was praying to that was powerful. You see, he had a revelation of God, my healer. God is my healer. And so that's who he was for him. So what does this practically look like for you and I then? As I mentioned earlier, a little bit difficult to jot down some action steps um, because these names are, are caught revelation, not just taught information. But what I'd like to look at simply are some things that we could be experiencing if we are catching this revelation or if we are missing this revelation that Jesus is our Jehovah Jireh. So let's start with some indications that we might be missing this revelation. And I'd love to read that same scripture that Franz shared earlier, Matthew 6, and I'll read from verse 25 on. It says, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So I'm sure we can pull out quite a few points there, but... For time's sake, I'm going to pull out two. So what happens if we're missing this revelation? Number one, I've termed it, we live with dominating worry. You know, when scripture tells us not to do something, 
It's not just there to prevent us from doing it, but it's actually there because we probably are doing it. When we don't catch the revelation that Jesus Christ is the one who provides, Jesus is the one who sees the very one who experiences our needs with us and makes provision for it, then we live our lives in a state of worry. And what happens is that worry begins to dominate our thoughts. Once our thoughts are dominated by worry, then all our decisions are influenced and based off this platform of worry. The biggest concern is that when we choose to be dominated by worry, what we're actually doing is we're choosing to bow the knee to worry. And we know that's not the plan that God has for each and every one of us. So do you find yourself worrying more often than not? Have you perhaps missed the revelation that Jesus is your Jehovah Jireh? Number two is that we suffer with something I'm terming fluctuating faith. I think for many of us, the reality is it's always easier to call Jesus Jehovah Jireh when things are going well. It's when the uh, proverbial pawpaw hits the fan, that's when our faith truly gets tested. For Abraham, his faith was firmly rooted in the fact that God was Jehovah Jireh. So much so, and I love this, that in the story he said, he told his servants, hey, the boy and I are going up the mountain and we will both return just now. See, his pawpaw was about to hit the fan, properly tested, and yet his faith did not fluctuate, but was constant. How would you rate your faith levels? Constant or fluctuating based on circumstance and situation? So what happens if we catch this revelation then? Philippians 4 verse 67 says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So number one, when we catch this revelation that Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, we live filled with peace. On the very opposite end of the spectrum of worry, we have peace. When we catch the revelation of Jesus being our Jehovah Jireh, we find peace, a peace that exceeds all understanding, a peace that reassures, settles, and that promotes complete trust. We find the ability to say that, hey, Jesus, you have this. You will see to it despite uh, any perceived lack. And lastly, we live content in all circumstances, regardless of situation, season, or circumstance. When we catch this revelation that Jesus is our Jehovah Jireh, we find ourselves content. Now, content doesn't just mean settle because that's all we can afford. No, what content means is that because we know that Jesus is our provider, we know that he sees our needs and we know that he will see to it. Not necessarily give us what we want all the time, but give us what we need. Knowing Jesus as our Jehovah Jireh brings about contentment. You know, one thing that stands out to me about the story of Abraham and Isaac is Abraham never said that, uh, God, you had provided. Actually, what he said is, God, you will 
provide. You see, he, he recognized that that moment in time wasn't just a once-off event, but rather what he was saying is, you, God, you are good, you see me, you experience my need, and you make provision for it. And it's the same for our lives as well in our walks with Jesus Christ. When we dedicate our lives to Jesus, submitting ourselves to his will and his way, then we can be rest assured that he will provide for our needs as his sons and daughters. And I'm trusting this morning that uh, we grow in the revelation that Jesus is our Jehovah Jireh. Jesus is the one who sees us. Jesus is the one that makes provision for us. Remember, we uh, shared in our John's Instagram journey about Jesus being the bread of life. Remember, Jesus didn't come just to give us bread, but Jesus came to be our bread. You, Jesus, are our cup and our portion. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, please? I think we can land it there. I know the reality is, is that when things do get tough, we do tend to worry. I mean, that is just, we are human beings. But this morning, I'm really trusting that we catch this revelation. That actually, you know what, as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, we have been provided for. And uh, maybe you're this morning and you're battling with a few things. And uh, can I ask... Remember, it doesn't say that Jesus gives, but, but rather we have provision in Jesus. And uh, maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't find yourself in Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, you might be asking, well, it's time. How do we do it? Well, what happens is we submit ourselves to him as the sacrifice who came and washed us clean, but then also as Lord so there's two parts. He's the sacrifice and he's the Lord as well. And uh, maybe you're this morning and you're saying, it's time that I give my life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you, we'd love, absolutely love to pray for you on the red carpet. Yeah, to my right, your left. And um, I really am trusting, friends, that we catch something this morning of who God is. It's the very power of his name that provides for us. And uh, why don't you close your eyes with me? Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that it's your very word that stimulates. Thank you that it's your very word that reveals to us who you are. Thank you, Lord, that we know that you have made a deposit on our hearts this morning. And I'm trusting, Lord, that this word begins to work on our hearts. That something would be stirred up inside of us and that we would be able to harvest something, Lord. Thank you that your very names are there to reveal you to us. Thank you that there's power in your name. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just come as the sacrifice, but you came as the provision. You are our Jehovah Jireh. We declare it. We proclaim it, Lord. And I pray, Lord, in seasons of difficulty, just as Abraham was heading into a season of difficulty, or a moment of difficulty, Lord, that we are able to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, knowing that you will provide. You will provide, because that is your very name. 
Thank you, Lord, as, as sons and daughters. You love us so much. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much for coming out. We uh, thank you to the Muso team.